Well, good day, good day. You are, of course, listening to Which Car Weekly. Whether it be intentional or otherwise, your look back on the week that was all the best things from motoring worlds, both here in Australia and around the world. Uh, my name is Daniel Gardner, and I will be looking back at uh, some of the things I've been doing and also the greatest minds brought together uh, from all of our favourite motoring titles at Bauer Media. That includes this week, the lovely Scott Newman. Hello and welcome. Motor Mac. Wait. Oh, Wait. sorry, I've come in too soon. The story of your life, I'm I premature. Heard. Scott Newman, Motormag Associate Editor. Hello, everybody. That's your cue to say something. And then we go over to... We've done this three times now. Oh, dear. Then we have Andy Enright, Wheels Mag, Deputy Editor. Welcome. Can I go now? Yes. Good evening. <laughs> Wait, I mean, leave or, like, actually say something. <laughs> On today's show, we are covering all the hot topics. Uh, the World Rally Championship is go, and Scotty can't wait to get muddy. The Suzuki Jimny has arrived in Australia, and there isn't a single soul in the entire country that dislikes it. And I am back, fresh from the desert, with tales of a wild bull. So, let's make no further delay and get straight onto it, gentlemen. Let's start, of course. Scott, you are literally fizzing with excitement on this one. Um, it is the WRC is in earnest, beginning again. Please tell us, what should we get excited? about okay well this weekend uh, the wrc kicks off the wrc is always exciting because it is the shortest gap of all the sort of annual series annual motorsport series it finishes in sort of late november and starts again in sort of mid mid early sorry mid to late january uh, monte carlo rally kicks off this week with this weekend because i could talk for literally all year about rallying, I've made a short list of five reasons you need to care about you the did. WRC. You did actually warn me to, I've to, tried to, be to professional. rein it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I've right. tried to be. Otherwise, you'll give me uh, dirty, angry looks. Don't worry, I can give you... That's, that's the beauty yeah. of the podcast, <laughs> is no one else can see me doing that. That's very true. Um, so, five reasons why you should care about the WRC. Because rallying has come and gone in popularity over the years. Everyone remembers Colin McRae and all that sort of thing, and then... You know, everyone sort of gave up on it and thought, who cares? But you should care about it at the moment because the current cars are amazing. They are the quickest ever. They are silly in some ways because they're ludicrously expensive. A current WRC car is something like 650,000, 700,000 euros each. Whoa. So you don't want to throw them at the trees too often. Um, and that's causing problems. But they are unbelievable to watch this. They're about 380 horsepower. They have amazing aero. They are incredible to watch the speed they can carry through you know, mud and snow and tarmac and everything. So they sound great, look great. So that's one reason. Second reason is everything's different. There's been a lot of movement around in the in the off-season. So the person who's won the last six world championships, Sebastian Ogier, has now moved back to Citroen, where he started his career. He's joined by Esipaki uh, Lappi from Toyota. Chris Meek, who was at Citroen, and then they sacked him halfway through the year because he kept crashing their cars too much. That's a good enough reason for me. Well, it is pretty good reason, yeah, but the car yeah, was... Yeah, like if you came to work every day and at least once or twice a week you threw your computer out of the window, <laughs> I'd say sooner or later someone's going to sack you for it. You know yeah, what I mean? it is fair enough. Especially, uh, it was a bit political though because there was rally drivers do crash and he's the only person who'd won a rally in a Citroen for like, you know, since Sebastian Loeb. So he'd given them all their recent success, but... With that came an enormous um, panel damage bill. Um, Sebastian Loeb is back, uh, the man who won nine straight titles before that. He's gone to Hyundai, which is kind of weird. Uh, he'll be joining the Hyundai team in an effort for them to finally win a world championship. Um, sad news is that 
Hayden Patton, New Zealander, so we've kind of adopted him, adopted him in Australia because he's successful. Uh, he is left without a seat, um, and that's sad. So hopefully he gets back in at some point. But um, so it, no one knows what's going to happen because all these drivers have totally changed cars and they're trying to get used to what they're going to be driving this year. Um, so that's there, quite exciting. There's been a number of departures, isn't there? There has, yeah. Mads, Mads Osberg is also out. He's been in the WRC for over a decade, but he's yeah. found a gig with Citroen in the sort of feeder series, so he's kind of employed. Um, yeah, so it's all change, which is quite exciting. Um, and the result of those changes is it's the strongest field in a long time. Basically, any one of the 11 main drivers could win a rally. They all have except... One, I think, Timo Sunanen with M Sport. Wow. Every other driver has won a rally. Um, some of them have uh, won multiples. There's an interesting stat for those who like stats. Uh, rally Sweden, which is the second round. And he's just slumped unconscious in the corner as soon he as has. you said that. Yeah. But I think that's the uh, rag in front of him. But anyway. Um... <laughs> okay, now you, can't, <laughs> you can't put that out there for a nation of millions <laughs> and not explain the gag. So, um,. Andy has a rag wrapped around his microphone for reasons we can only guess at. It, look, yeah. it looks very, very suspect indeed. It's probably to um, mop up all his dribble. So, or sweat, because it is absolutely roasting in here. It is. Out, it's only going to get more if, so. If I can escape out of here after half an hour without succumbing to Terminal Trench Grundle, I will count myself <laughs> very, very lucky. <laughs> Welcome to the Witchcast Sauna. <laughs> Please um, don't say that word ever again, Andy. <laughs> yeah, well, hang on. Are we in some kind of escape room? Is that what this is? We've got to say all the right things. And Scotty, Scotty before you go any further, yes. um, is Hayden Patton going to inherit Chris Meek's seat when he inevitably gets sacked a few races oh, into the season? Oh, that's a juicy take. But that's what Witch Car Weekly is all about. These yes. are things we can discuss now. No, because, and Hayden's problem was a little bit that he's tied himself really, really closely to Hyundai New Zealand. He's in their ambassador. He drives a Hyundai i20 in the New Zealand Rally Championship very successfully, won the championship last year, and I think the year before as well. So the problem is he couldn't drive for any other manufacturer except Hyundai because he'd lose all his support from New Zealand. So when Hyundai's seats all dried up, he was kind of left uh, musical chairs, the last man standing when the music stopped. Um, so a bit sad for him. But um, uh, We never thought we'd see Peter Brock spruiking terrible Fords in colourful knitwear but we that's, did that's true Any, <laughs> anything may happen mm, and anyway, that not be unseen unfortunately I'm trying to get through this so um, so Dan doesn't give me evil looks um, no that's okay no because I actually stop the clock whenever Andy asks a question then oh, that's, good. it's not encroaching on your time time in fact stops yeah well it doesn't it ever it does. he's that captivating <laughs> Scott hurry up rallies <laughs> <laughs> r- r- anyway rally Sweden has a remarkable thing that will almost never happen in any other series every living world champion since 1994, will be involved in the rally in some way. So, wow, that sounds that's it's sounds really unlikely. It? it is. Um, so, sadly, Colin McRae and Richard Burns are the Notable exceptions absence. because they are, have sadly passed away. But uh, so, Sebastian Ogier has won the last six world titles. Sebastian Loeb has won the last nine before that. So they obviously count. Petter Solberg is in the historic section, driving a Ford Mark II Escort. He won in 2003. Marcus Grunholm is back in a current spec car, 2018 Toyota World Rally car, that he's borrowed off his friend Tommy Mackinnon because it's his 50th birthday present to himself, basically, that he's going to do one last rally. So he won the last two before that. And then Tommy Mackinnon runs the Toyota team. So he won the four before that. So, wow. yeah, every champ- like there's a lot of going to be so a lot it's like of... Getting, it's like literally getting the old it band is. back together. It is the old band back together. it's a really big band. Yeah, so of course it should be quite exciting. Um, 
For me, though, though, the calendar starts with the best rally of the lot, Monte Carlo. It's very exciting because you never know what's going to happen. Like in the one stage, you could have bright sunshine, normal tarmac, you'll be on slick tyres, and then the next 20Ks will be sheet ice and snow. So it's always exciting because it's not like, you know, if Lewis, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton starts from pole and he's a month in the lead, he's going to win the race. Whereas if someone takes the wrong tyres or, you know, they could lose two minutes at a stage, they could crash out. So until you know what's going to happen, you don't know what's going to happen until the very last moment. So that's really exciting. And finally, most people probably don't know about this, but last year the WRC introduced something called All Live. So the trouble with rallying is it's really hard to follow because unless you're out in the middle of a forest somewhere and you see a car go past for five minutes, you either don't see it or you have to catch up later with highlights. Wait, 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 wait. Five minutes is a big exaggeration. Yeah, okay. Talk about maybe four or five seconds worth and then it's gone and that's it. (laughs) Exactly. So I would argue it's harder to watch a rally when you're actually in the field. That's true. But now they've changed that because with something called All Live. So you can now watch every second of every stage live on the internet. (gasps) You have to pay a small fee. It's like $80 for the year or something. You get a login. And then for uh, rally tragics like myself and someone you know very damn well, know very well, Dan, um, it basically ruins your life. Your girlfriend <laughs> leaves you. You forget to sleep. You forget to eat. You've, yeah, it's, um, you know, your dog's starved. But you get to watch as much WRC action as you could possibly want. Which is way better than getting sucked into some vacuous TV series. Exactly. Or, in inverted commas, reality TV show. So if you are that way inclined and you have a slightly TV-addictive personality, this is way better. Watch the World Rally Championship instead. You'll be thrilled. You'll laugh. You'll cry. um, You'll know lots of, yeah, obscure facts. Okay, that was the the express version of Scotty's five-point 2019 WRC rundown. That's right. We'll do the full 25-hour. Which has raised more questions than it answers. It has, but... Um, my first one being, how is the what generally is the following like for WRC in Australia? Do we like it, or is it a bit kind of... It's interesting because we've always had a round of the World Rally Championship since 1989, I think, or 1988. Mm. Um, and we're a small, you know, we're a small country and a long way away. Um, but we've always had a round, and it's pretty popular. I think if you polled most rally fans and most rally drivers, they'd go to New Zealand because they've got the best roads in the world, amazing scenery, but they don't really sell many cars there, so the manufacturers don't like it. Um, so I think it's, I think the fans that it has here are diehards, um, but in terms of if you went out to the Joe Blow on the street, they'd probably know about F1, they'd know about Lewis Hamilton and that sort of thing, or they'd never heard of V8 supercars, but rallying, they'd be like, huh, what's that? Um, right. Do you, I have a question then, another one, yet another one, mm-hmm. and a theory. That's good. Uh, yep. Right. Do you think there would be more Australian fans of WRC in any rallying if the WRC cars weren't all based on shopping trolleys? Probably, yes. Um, it's interesting, Porsche this year are going to run a Cayman, a Cayman RGT in a few rounds. Well, that's a bit better. Um, so that will sound amazing. So, yeah, if they, if they all drove... The trouble is they ran a 911 in a few rounds and it was all a bit political because they made it run restricted with about 320 horsepower instead of 450 because there's a risk it would be faster than the real rally that cars would be hilarious. on tarmac and then they wouldn't like it. So it does get a bit political, but essentially... The new cars are great because they do look good, they do sound good, but really, if you want people out in the stands, like they should make a Mustang rally car. We we're talking about this recently. A Mustang rally car would be amazing. That would be. It would look great. It, it would, would be sound great. Fully it would be tailed. really slow, and no one would care. No, because it would be fully crossed up everywhere That's and looking right. fantastic. Can I open a minor can of worms and ask, 
why is Australia not represented at the top level of WRC drivers? Uh, no one's been good enough is probably the very harsh answer. Um, we've had a few people... Ooh, I'm not commenting on that at all. It's tricky because, like every other motorsport, it's so much of its money. We've had a couple of people go to Europe and try their wares. Uh, Molly Taylor, Brendan Reeves have gone in the WRC Academy and performed reasonably She's well. very good. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Nah, we'll cover that in a future episode. Um, <laughs> the, the, maybe there's some inherent bias in the room. Um, Carry on. And Harry Bates has his eyes firmly on the prize. He's got the support probably the backing and hopefully the talent to do it. Um, it all comes down to money. We've probably got a couple of people who, that have been good enough. Um, but, you know, to Chris Atkinson was the last one. And to get, to basically hire a World Rally car for a World Rally event at the moment is something, it's something like 150,000 or 200,000 euros per event. So very difficult to get the foot in the door. But we can live in hope. Scotty, thank you so much for your World Rally Championship roundup. It's been my pleasure. Um, you are, of course, not just a rally uh, enthusiast, you're also a very good driver as well, which is why we love you giving the, the roundup oh. on, from a position of authority. It is now time to say shut up, though, because we need to move on Zip it. to another subject. Before we go on to that, though, it is that point in the show where I have to remind everyone that if you haven't already caught it, which car is now on television? It's on Channel 10, it's on 4pm on Sunday afternoons, and it's also repeated an ungodly hour on Saturday mornings. If you haven't caught any of the episodes, of which there are two now broadcast on Channel 10, do tune in for which car. It is all of our lovely faces and a lot more doing what we love best from behind the wheel. That is Channel 10 on Sunday afternoons at 4pm. Now then, a little bit later, we're going to be talking about a spectacular Lamborghini in the desert. But before that, we're going to move on to something called the Suzuki Chimney, a car that no one dislikes. Well, except for Ash Westerman. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, I can think of yeah, just Ash. Uh, he was. But he's a very one. he's a very large man, not in a large in a sort of too many pies way. He's a large in a very muscular Arnie kind of way. So I do wonder if he just yes. doesn't fit in it. Ash Westerman, senior writer for Wheels Magazine, was recently offered a Suzuki Jimny for a long term car that he was going to stay in. These are long term reviews are something we do to get a very good idea of what the car is like to live with. It's better than just stay in a car for a week, and he rejected it. To be fair though, Ash I imagine does most of his driving in suburban Sydney. And it perhaps and? it doesn't lend itself to the Suzuki Jimny's many virtues. I'm just thinking that Ash is worried that he's going to wor- think that people uh, think this little car is some kind of representation of his capacity to fill trousers. That's mm. what that's what I think he's worried about. This is more about him than the Jimny, probably. Absolutely. So this okay. is fair. We're being mean, mean to Ash. He has no uh, right to reply. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good. That's the way we like it. <laughs> if you'd like to complain, Ash, and you are listening, then please do feel free to get in touch with us. We have all our social medias, mm-hmm. and you can find them all at whichcar.com.au. So, Dan, why don't you run us through why the Jimny's been in the news? Obviously, there was the Australian launch, but there's also a concept came out this week. Yeah, so it looks like there is a slim chance that we may get a ute version, which would be amazing it would be the most pointless ute in the universe but who cares because for all the reasons we love the Jimny we would love a ute version as well we used to do a Suzuki Sierra ute back yeah, in the late 80s yeah that was completely pointless as well yeah well it's good if you need to carry like I don't know like a your pot groceries plant. yeah a pot plant yeah. yeah that's it I can just stop you there I think the most useless ute ever created was the Citroen C3 Plurial which they claim yeah. you could use as a ute oh, yeah. <laughs> point, that, point of order poodle in but uh, yeah a Jimny 
way more useful. The Floreal, was, was that the one that you could convert? It had like various different rooms. five on. cars in one and yeah, none of them were any yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> you could turn it into a convertible, but you had to keep the pieces that turned it into a convertible yeah, in so your you garage. Have, you had to have a second car <laughs> to take your convertible pieces with you on a drive in case it rained, oh. so then you could build a oh, convertible. Can we get Ash Westerman a Floreal? Yeah, oh. like, yeah, a, a modern classic. <laughs> I love you, Ash, don't worry. <laughs> Uh, that could be an entire segment in itself. Uh, the Jimny, though, it seems to be re- universally loved. and It hasn't crashed very well, though. That's the thing. Okay, so when you mentioned the news, I, I thought you were going to be talking about that. It has, of course, scored three stars in ANCAP testing, uh, which is, for those who don't understand the scale, the maximum is five, minimum is zero. Very few cars score far below four. Uh, so three is really, really bad news. But the question I want to pose to you two guys, Andy and Scott, do we care? And should anyone care about that? Why did it fall down? It's got AEB, hasn't it? Although I think the AEB might have a few bugs in it. Um, <laughs> which isn't great. You no, know, which isn't great. Uh, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because you want all the cars to be as safe as possible. Yeah. It's a small car as well, so it's probably going to not do that well on a car. You know, I wouldn't want to be in it when you're missing patrol crashed into it or something like that. Yeah. But, um, Particularly relevant in a country like Australia where everything is big. distortion of the, uh, the passenger cell and people's... Heads were going over the top of the airbag and nutting the steering wheel. I feel like something in a ground-up car in 2019, you should probably not have those issues. So Agreed. In an ideal world, they'd all have five stars. And they'd so all... really what we're going to do is don't worry about buying a Jimny for the road. Buy it for the farm or a property somewhere and just yeah. hoon around in it like a, you know, like a little off-road race car and have a whale which, of a time and then yeah which we think it will do very well yeah. because it still has double live axles as yeah. the old one did which means it's probably really really good off-road um it'll be probably not that great to drive on road for exactly the same reason that the jeep wrangler isn't great either because it's twin live axles um so yeah if you genuinely want a really really supremely cute and likable car to look at that's also pretty good off-road then the jimny we can recommend if you are fond of crashing a fair bit then don't yes it's basically a g-wagon for poor people but to put That's things nice in, to put things into perspective, it's going to be a lot safer than any of the cars that we learn to drive in. Isn't oh, absolutely! It? And to taking a, a an admittedly small sample size of three, none of us are dead. That's true. So, yet, so, yes. yet, uh, if we this is well. indeed so my Bluebird, last broadcast, in my experience, Nissan Bluebird wagons from 1984 have a 100% success rate in keeping their occupants alive. Triumph for claim here. Fantastic. Triumph Spitfire over here. You, so you guys could not be any more British. No, I hate, being, I hate being a stereotype. <laughs> oh, well, my, mine, mine was a Honda in disguise, to be fair. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you make a fair point there, Andy. Look, um, if you are, these things all have to be put in context. And the, my favourite hyperbolic argument I always use when people criticise a score in ANCAP is do you or would you or have you ever ridden a motorbike and if you have and you would still consider riding a motorbike you clearly don't care about vehicle safety because that is the most dangerous vehicle to drive on the road i'm sure all the people would like to get in touch with me and say yeah yeah it's down to the rider but in terms of actual technologies that will keep you out of trouble a motorbike is not very good no it's not so yeah the jimny still easy to recommend just like i say don't do a huge amount of crashing in it that's right now then gentlemen we have one more thing i'd like to move on to and we have a little bit of time left. Am I looking a, a hue slightly darker and more attractive than I usually do? Certainly the former. Ye- I can't remember what I said now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll continue on from that. Yeah, we'll okay, great. Suspense. Okay. I'm going to listen back to this later and go, ah, oh, bum, I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> uh, no, I'm fresh back from the desert, Bahrain to be specific, where I was driving a new car 
from Lamborghini. Now, when I say new, it's still called a Huracan. Um, and normally when these manufacturers say it's a new car, you have to look at it and go, yeah, all right, it's just a significant update or sometimes even just a, a bit of a facelift at best. This is a significantly new car. I'm happy to say it's new, even though it's still a Huracan and it's based on the previous version. This one is, of course, called the Evo. And it is a major update. They've introduced a fair whack of technology, including some things borrowed from the Performante, which... Uh, was a vehicle that held the Nürburgring production car record for a little while. It did. It did. So a seriously quick car. Has anyone driven the Performante here? I missed out on it. I missed out on it as well. Yeah, oh, we I was hoping there'd be someone who had. No. It's a you guys. I've driven the normal one. Yeah, okay. Have yeah. we all... Okay, that's, that's a good base point. Have we all driven the normal one? We have. Yes. There are a number that the range opens at around about 380,000 for the real drive LP582. Driven that? Yeah, me too. Yes. Okay, good. Uh, then there's the LP610.4, which is the four drive one with even more power. Indeed. Great. Yeah. Uh, me too, in convertible and coupe form. Me too. And now we have the Evo. Yes. This is a vehicle which is also four drive, but it gains the engine from the Performante. So it gets 470 kilowatts. Does that make it fast? Uh, How fast did you go? I went the fastest I've ever driven officially in a car. Oh, when that's I say great. officially, like one I'm allowed to talk about. Yeah. I did 270 kilometers now on the straight of the Bahrain International Circuit. So this is a, for, it's a full on Formula One circuit. And the best thing is, is it has floodlights. So mm. when the beautiful Arabian sun had set, we just carried on. Um, to answer your question, Scott, it is. It is fast, yeah. Yeah. I was going to use a superlative, but I, I mean, I can't think of one. It's just really, it? really. Bleeping it is, fast. It's blindingly fast. I didn't think I'd be able to notice the difference of 20 or so kilowatts up from the 610. And that's the thing, isn't it? I just want to make a point about this because there's cars that are faster and you look at, you know, the 14-year-olds on the internet will look at it and go, oh, it's not as fast as a Chevron or it's not as fast as a 720S. The cars now are so fast, it does not matter. Like no. The difference between going 0 to 200 in like 8.5 and 9.5 seconds, who cares? Yeah, yeah. So 0 to 100, this for, for just... Because you mention it, yeah. it'll do it in 2.9 seconds. Yeah. So, I mean, under three seconds. I remember when I was growing up, the McLaren F1 was, what, 3.2 seconds, mm. around about. Um, and I thought that was never going to be beaten. Yep. Because that is just unimaginable. And people who drove that and managed the figure of 3.2 seconds said it was uncomfortably fast acceleration. Mm. And now we've shaved three tenths of a second off that. That's In what is a junior supercar. Yes. Junior, yep. Speaking of junior supercars, it has an older sibling, a bigger sibling, called the Aventador SVJ, which has real steering. It's got that too. Okay. So we've got real steering. We've got the engine out of a Performante. We've got better aerodynamics in terms of efficiency. It doesn't have quite the downforce of the Performante because it doesn't have that huge wing, which I like. I like it doesn't have it Yes, because it's prettier. Um, so you'd think it's probably better. Let's pretend for a moment that we're not dreadful POVs. Um, <laughs> would you have one over a Ferrari 488 or a McLaren 720S, 570S? And that about? is the question, isn't it? So this thing is 400 and. 60,000 or thereabouts in Australia. It's a lot of money, but it does compete with the 488, which is about 470.80. So you're in the ballpark figure. The trouble with that is the 488 is a couple of months away from being replaced. It's true, but it doesn't stop it being a great car. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the 488, for me, I I think I'd have the 488... Eight, but because I why did you leave a poetic pause between the two eights? Then was that was that four eights? It looked like you were casting eights. your mind back to a, a difficult time you spent with the four. No, well, maybe no. it was a very romantic time. Oh, it was. It was. I love that oh. car. Um, but the hurricanes are great. Hurricanes are great because they get the whole supercar thing. 
They're really easy to drive. You could be driving an A5 in terms of the actual operation of it. Steering's light, reasonably comfortable, you know, with adaptive dampers and stuff. It's pretty tricky to see out of, but makes a great noise, looks fantastic, easy to drive. Okay, it's not super playful, but you're going so fast, you don't really care. Um, yeah, I love the Huracan. I think it's fantastic, and the new one sounds like a big step forward. However, I have one point to make about uh, your prettier comment. I do worry... Remember the Gallardo when it came out in 2003? Yeah. And every successive Gallardo was a little bit uglier. It's a Lamborghini thing. And Look I do worry, yes, and I do worry that they're going to do the same with the Huracan in that... But they haven't. They haven't. Oh, this is the, the latest new, one and it's... But the new, the rear end with its big diffuse, I don't know, it's not what quite there. What do you mean? There. What's not to like about a massive but diffuser? that's what I'm asking. I'm with... asking because you've seen it in the in the metal. I've, I have touched its pipes. You have? Yes. Okay. I've been behind the Huracan yep. and I've, I've sidled up to it and I've taken in its beautiful rear okay. with so my own Okay, so you think eyes. the styling is, if not a step forward, at least as beautiful as the one before? I think that yes, absolutely. I think Good. they've the nice thing about the Huracan fr- from a design perspective and from a designer's perspective is that the front and rear ends are huge. The front nose cone is massive, mm-hmm. so when you do a facelift on like a Camry or whatever, you've actually got very little to work with. On the Huracan, it's the, the, the whole front of the car. So if you if that's you can't use sheet metal because obviously it's massively expensive. Yep. So if you're just recasting and remolding a few front bumpers, you've got a lot to play with, and it's the same at the back end. And that's why I think they've done such a great job with this, is that it's been significantly redesigned to be more handsome, more aerodynamic. At the front, you've got those little Epsilon uh, styling details, mm-hmm. which the Lamborghinis have hidden all over them. That's in the front bumper now. It looks really good. It's just, it looks as aggressive as the Huracan should. I have one more question for you. I, you okay. can have as many as you like. So you are an unashamed fan of the Aventador. I, I am. It is on your dream car list. I even like its gearbox. Oh, <laughs> you're now sacked from being the host of this I know, podcast. I know. Is the Huracan good enough to make you stray, make your eyes wander? No, it's no, not. definitely not. Because a supercar is designed to make you feel absolutely fantastic about yourself whenever you jump in one. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the Aventador still does that more so than the Huracan because it's all about that theatre and drama and sensation. If you want to get around a circuit really, really fast, the Huracan Evo will do that for you. Probably, I would say, for a novice and an idiot like me, even better than the Performante because it's got the real steering. It's got this new system called LDVI, which is a central uh, processing unit which looks after all the dynamic systems and apparently has like predictive technology. It can actually sense what you think you're going to do, which is a lie, but it, or it actually feels like it is. Um, in terms of efficiency, then the Huracan is fantastic. But I still love the part of the Aventador that makes you feel like it's going to tear your arms off at any second. That's, That's what gearbox. a supercar should feel. It's partly to do with the gearbox. <laughs> you don't touch... Yeah. So I think in terms of f- meeting the brief... So if you won Lotto tomorrow, you'd be ringing up Lamborghini and you'd, you'd still be ordering an Aventador S Roadster rather than a Huracan Evo. If I had to pick from the Lamborghini showroom, yes. Okay. But what I would spend my money on... If everything was open, then that is a, a, a conversation topic we don't have time for in the full 30 minutes. One thing I think they've missed a the trick with, though, I have not driven it, they haven't put the ego mode in it. I think every no, car... No, it needs should, that. It needs yeah. If, uh, so just a quick refresher for those who are not aware. Yes. Uh, with the Aventador update, they put a mode in Lamborghinis called ego mode. Of course they did, which is basically their ability to mix, mix and match settings. So you can have like a full attack engine and transmission mode with like light steering or comfortable suspension and that's really good because you want to drive your Lamborghini around making as much noise as possible but comfortable so you're not shaking your brains out and they haven't done with that with the new Huracan which is a bit sad because 
I can just see us all driving it. If you want the maximum attack engine, you have to put up with the heavier steering and the most firm suspension, which seems like an opportunity. I missed. think that will be something for the facelift for the uh, Huracan Evo Evo. Yeah, probably Huracan Evo squared. Well, I did ask them that. I said, look, if you're saying that the downforce from the Performante means it's incredibly fast on high-speed tracks, <clears throat> but the rear-wheel steering uh, makes the Evo faster on tighter, more difficult technical tracks, as it in fact is at Nardo. Mm -hmm. um, then why don't you just combine the two? And they all looked very blankly at me for a second and then said, stop trying to get us to tell you about future product, which to me said that's what they're going to do. And you're like, I didn't say anything yeah. about future product. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And why don't we have both? So arguments? here's a scoop. Yes. So is uh, Huracan Performante will have uh, the next generation of active aerodynamics and rear wheel steering. Exactly. Well, probably about 500 kilowatts. You heard it here first, <laughs> if not necessarily completely confirmed. Yes. Now, we've nearly run out of time, but before we go, I do want to talk about one thing very quickly. Uh, we normally have a quick look at what's going to be happening next week, uh, which consists of, we will have a little chat about WLTP, the new uh, fuel consumption figures affecting autobahns. They could have their heads on the chopping block. Uh, and we'll also be talking about the Ford Focus versus the world. But we have big news to announce next week. It is our AMAs. It's the Australian Motoring Awards that will be announced. Um, Scotty, you'll be focused on the Performance Car of the Year. Yes, we will be announcing our Performance Car of the Year next Wednesday night. Uh, that looks at obviously the the most driver focused of the new That's arrivals. Right. We in want to find out what the best fast car you can buy uh, over the last twelve months is. Andy, you'll be looking at the wheels car of the year. Wheels car of the year. That was a, a spectacular close thing this year. There was a huge field, and if uh, the Facebook commenters are to be believed. The Holden Commodore is one because they've given us a huge bag of money. <laughs> <laughs> Despite we'll not being we'll in definitely talk about that. And I'll be looking at the Witch Car Style Award and, of course, there will be the 4x4 of the Year Award as well. We'll give you all of those results next week after we've had our big night. It is the premiere event of the motoring so calendar. not too many sherries on awards night because yeah. we'll have to do the podcast the next day. I'm going to take it easy this year because I definitely didn't last year. Whoops! That's probably a story for next week as well. And in the meantime, then do feel free to get in touch with us. There are our previous episodes of the Witch Car Weekly podcast you can grab them download and listen to the, listen to them as often frequently as you like uh, you can get in touch with us via social media there's our website witchcar.com.au please watch the tv show if you haven't started uh, watching that regularly it's us coming into your living rooms channel 10 not literally no 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 that's what the rag's for yeah. um and uh, and in the meantime do let us know what's happening out there on the road do drive 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 safely no no i meant drive safely and in the meantime if you don't let us know because we want to know about you've all already been on the sherry's haven't you i have i'm just it's in the build-up to the amas gentlemen thank you so much for joining me it's been a pleasure ciao for now we'll talk to you next week good evening